Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Whether you are a manager, team lead, or executive, you will lead several different types of people during your time in leadership. From the too reliant who comes to you for everything, to the grizzled veteran who has been coding longer than you've owned a computer, understanding team dynamics is important. It can be difficult to know how to motivate and lead all the types of people on your team. In this episode, we talk about a few of the different types of people you will lead, describing each one and discussing the best strategies to lead them. But before we get started, Will, what have you been leading lately? Well, I don't know about leading anything, but next week is our team week. And that's when we get to pick our projects that we're going to work on for a week to improve workflow and those kind of things. Oh, that's cool. We got uh, one, uh, something, our similar thing to that. We call it lab week is the same week. That's hilarious. Yeah. And at one point we were trying to do that once a quarter, but now it's kind of not happening as much. I hope it, it goes back up, but I'm actually going to be studying for the AWS certified cloud practitioner exam. So I've got, I'm trying to line up all my material and um, I have to go physically and take a test for this. So, yeah. But, you know, it is like a continuing education thing that I really need to do anyway. So, yeah. So that's that's what I'm doing. So you're, you said yours is this next week too? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of funny. You do any yeah. certs or you just, you doing coding? I guess you probably got to do more coding stuff at this point, right? Actually, I might work on some more documentation. We're starting a new project and I've realized the lack of documents on how to do certain things that we only do very rarely. So I think I'm going to work on that. There is one, an Azure certified developer, but it's a really big one that I've been slowly working on. So I'll probably chip away at that some too. Yeah. Mine's like the introductory level and then the next one is the bigger one. Yeah. This is the big one and I've just been sort of slowly chipping away at it. So yeah, I'll probably do that. In my fun news, I uh, ran for 2.5 miles uh, the other day without walking. That's the farthest I have run at one time. I know earlier this year, I talked about uh, completing a 5K, but I did walk probably about a mile or so of that 5K. I think what at that point in time, I was running about a mile and a half to a mile and three quarters. And then I'd stop and walk a bit and then I'd run some and walk some and run some. This time I was, uh, what I've been doing, I was just set the treadmill to 30 minutes and uh, I run about a 12 minute mile. And so, yeah. So I, uh, I've i been doing a mile and a half and then walking a little bit and then running another half mile and then walking a little bit. I was like, you know, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to run the full two miles. So I get to two miles and you know, that's 24 minutes. And I look down and it's like, oh, hey, I got six minutes left to get the full 30. I can just run this. Like, I don't have to stop and walk. And so I did. It was kind of exciting. So nice. 
Saving money is hard, especially when you're trying to learn new things at the same time. True. Lucas Casadas is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Yeah, just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, his focus is on helping you to not only establish a plan for your future financial growth, but also to take action so that you can create the best version of your life. Guys, investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. With the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. So it's not too early to start. Best of all, Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. What that means is he's not here to sell you a product, but to help guide you to a better financial situation. Yeah, and you can check out his podcast, which is called Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. And there he covers financial topics that you probably face. And he also interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. There's also more material if you want to do a bit more reading than listening over at levelupfinancialplanning.com. Leadership can be an exciting adventure where you meet a lot of different people along the way. Some will be easy to lead, whereas others, they're going to be a bit more difficult. If you've been promoted, you'll notice that your former coworker's behavior may be different toward leadership than it was toward you when you were a coworker. While it may be frustrating to have to relearn what triggers and motivates people, that's actually kind of normal. People act and respond differently around leaders. While all these different types of people are unique and different, and you know the people in these groups are also different, the people you lead can be distilled down into a few types. These types don't represent a particular person, but they're more like caricatures or extremes to help illustrate the concept. Once you can deal with the extreme, you can deal with the lesser version of the extreme. That's the idea mm-hmm. here. There is no one size fits all for how to lead people. On the same vein, there isn't one way to lead people in each of these types. However, there are strategies that work best with each one. So in this episode, we're going to discuss the various types of people that you will see when you are leading, people that you will lead. For each one, we'll talk about the type, kind of what makes them that way, and then a few tips for leading them. In the aftercast, we're going to talk about leading through transitions or difficult times. So the first type to discuss is probably most of the industry. This is the nine to five developer. Otherwise, they've been referred to as dark matter developers. These are the people that you don't really see a whole lot of conferences. A lot of technological stuff is not really geared towards them. Their big thing is they think about coding while they're at work and they don't when they leave. They really don't do any self-improvements so far as software development goes off the clock. That doesn't mean they don't do anything to improve themselves. It's just some of them don't. We know quite a few who don't do anything to improve themselves. But we also know quite a few who software development is a job. They come in, they do their job, and then they do other things to improve themselves at home. Yeah. And and this is perfectly okay, right? Like you don't live to work. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a coworker that you would classify in this group. And the thing about it is, is he goes home and he does like really neat woodworking. 
stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And the job finances that. And so when he's at work, he's very, very focused and he gets the stuff done. And, you know, there's really no problem. It's how he gets his motivation. Yeah. I know several musicians I work with who do that. A good grief. Our executive director is a photographer where I work. And, you know, he started off as a developer and worked his way up. But, you know, photography was his hobby. We hit it off on that, obviously. Right. Um, But, uh, yeah. So photography is his hobby. And he probably puts in, because he wanted to work his way up, he probably puts in a little bit more than than a nine to fiver. But, you know, it's not his whole life. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, the thing about nine to fivers is they will work extra if they're paid overtime or it's part of a contract. When you hire them on, you say, hey, you know, this is, it's expected that you're on call once a week and you may work after hours that time. That as a normal part of their job, they will. But I got a Teams message. Was it Monday night from our architect at like 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night? Hey, I got this thing fixed. <laughs> yeah. like It popped up on my phone because I have, I have notifications come to my phone in case there's an emergency. But I was like, but he, he is not the nine to fiver. He loves what he does. I enjoy it too. And if I had been at home, I would have probably hopped on and saw what he did. But I was not. I was having dinner with friends. So I looked the next morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the big takeaway with these people is there's they'll do the stuff to get the job done, um, but motivation is a bit more difficult, mm-hmm. primarily because you don't control it. Yeah, yeah, right. Because like, unless you're way up in management, you can't just throw more money at them. Mm-hmm. And they're they're not likely to attend after hours functions. They definitely don't go to conferences unless it's something that everyone goes to. Yeah, and work pays for it. Yeah, and. And it's part of your day job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are so much easier to work with than most other types though, because yeah. they, you know, like it's completely around doing their job and going home. Don't want to like try and force them into the company culture. I've seen this not just in software development, but in other like volunteer teams that I, I'm on or have led where you'll have one or two people who they're there. They know their they know their stuff. They come in, they do what they volunteered to do, but they're not really going to go to like the team hangouts and stuff like that, or the team building exercises unless they're told they have to. Right. I don't know that that's necessarily a problem. Honestly, I feel like this is probably the healthiest group in the sense that they have boundaries and they're like, look, if you're going to chew up more of my life, you pay me for it. Or, yeah, or no. it happens on the clock. Yeah, that's the thing. That's why I put this group first because they're definitely the easiest to to lead. Like we said, motivation can be a little bit tricky. What you have to do most of the time is make any type of training or conferences during work hours. Yeah, I would almost argue that that's what should happen anyway. These people are the are the workers that are built for the way that work is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And the rest of them, and by the way, I'm not in this category, Uh, but like the rest of us are the dysfunctional ones to some degree. Will is not in this category. I am somewhat in this category. I learned when I first started working from home that I had to set boundaries. And I have had people who 
used to be in my life who would make fun of me for like, as soon as 4.30 hit, I was done working. I shut my laptop down and I stopped. And I'm like, I have to. Because before I started doing that, I would be up till 1 a.m. working on stuff and then get up early the next morning to go into the office. Yeah. And then you burn out. Yeah. You know, or get up early the next morning to come in and sit at my desk. But still, like, I would, I would overwork myself. And so you kind of, it is good to have those boundaries. And we've had some episodes on boundaries that we probably can have some more episodes on boundaries. Yeah. I mean, Um, the the whole remote work thing has definitely changed a lot of people's work style in a big way. So the next one is the overly enthusiastic. Yeah. And these people are not necessarily juniors or new developers. Like there's people that are seniors that have been coding 20 years that are like this. And they're great to work with, but they will overwork themselves to the point of burnout because they enjoy the work and then they explode. Not naming any names, but um, yeah, I think both of us fall into this category sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. I've gotten better about it as I've gotten older because I've realized where the end point is. Yeah. I went through the cycle one time of pushing myself to to burn out and I'm like, yeah, no. Honestly, I think it was because of of having this podcast and like when I was going through that, we had a lot of episodes on that kind of stuff and learning, hey, this is not healthy and it's going to cause me to not be able to do my job. One of the things that the overly enthusiastic tend to do is they will overestimate their own skill at coding. And not all of them are bad about this, but they can be because... And it's not just their skill, but how much they can take on, how much they can handle their workload. They'll overestimate their own abilities in those sense. So they may take on stories, cards, tasks, however you have it laid out, that are too difficult because they want the challenge. They may take it on in an area where they're not familiar because they want to learn about it. Or they may just take on more than they can handle because they think they can do all of it. Or they enjoy it enough that they think they can get away with it. Yeah. Which is really what gets them. Yeah. They also either rarely ask for help or they do it all the time. Mm -hmm. It kind of depends on how awkward they feel about reaching out for help. But Yeah, this is definitely something that when I've been like this, the first one really applies. I don't remember a whole lot of times of constantly asking for help, but I do remember times of just banging my head against the wall for Mm -hmm. two weeks. It kind of depends on if you're taking on a task that's just a little too difficult versus working in an area where you're not of the code where you're not familiar. If I'm taking on a task that's too difficult, I don't do this now. I've learned like, all right, how much to bang my head against the wall before asking for help. I probably still do it a little too much, but too difficult tended for me to be when I would not ask for help. Unfamiliarity is when I would. I would ask for too much help a lot of times. So that's sort of like, for me, it was a matter of what I was doing. These people can be a little bit difficult to lead, partially because they're self-led. Yeah, uh, you know, in in a lot of respects, and, and you don't want to discourage their growth mindset. You know, that's definitely been feedback that I've gotten from multiple managers over the years when I've, you know, frankly been a little too enthusiastic. Is I really like your growth mindset, but yeah, and if you find yourself saying that, that's probably one of these people. Yeah, 
what you need to do is help them to be realistic about their abilities, their coding abilities, their knowledge of the system, and their ability to take on work. Remember, multitasking isn't really a thing. We like to think it is, but we just trick ourselves. And that's a whole episode right in and of itself. And the other thing too is them claiming very difficult stories. Like you've got to back them off of that. Yeah. And so one thing that you can do as as a lead, especially if you're like a team lead or a lead developer, is claim the more difficult stories for yourself. Or go, hey, I I need you to look at this thing because I know you can knock it out quick and I'm going to give this one to somebody else because that's kind of something, either that's something they need to learn or it's something they already know. You kind of got to dodge them through the Mm -hmm. maze so they don't grab the the tough stuff. You also need to enforce breaks and time off. Be like, look, dude, it's the end of the day. You're done. Like, Mm -hmm. we'll see you in the morning, but do not stay here till eight o'clock at night trying to fix this. And you're going to have to push back hard on some of these people. I have told some of my, uh, one of my juniors, especially like he was, He'd been working on something for a while and had gotten gotten pretty stuck. And I'd worked with him on it. We were both kind of like trying to figure it out. And we realized it was a little bit out of our control. And we needed to get the architect in because it was like we didn't even have permission to get to a certain area. So I just told him it was, I don't know, like 3 o'clock. And he gets off around 4 or 4.30. I was like, man, just take the rest of the day. You know, take an hour or so. Consider it like training time to like just reset yourself. Come back refreshed tomorrow and ready to tackle it. But just relax. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. I'll talk to upper management and be like, hey, I told him to to do this as sort of just a... Because he's really been working hard. He never would have thought to to do that or just to take it easy. He was like looking for, all right, well, now that I can't do this, what story do I need to grab? And I'm like, you've got an hour left in your day, man. Yeah. Now, to be a little bit more subtle about it, you can always get them into a hobby. Yeah. Or remind them of one they already have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is another thing. Speaking of people who get reminded of things, as I did this morning, when we had a extended discussion about Fox Pro. The grizzled veteran is another archetype of developers that you will deal with. Generally speaking, they have more coding experience than you. Otherwise, you wouldn't consider them a grizzled veteran. Although at some point, you also look at the people that don't have as much experience as you and you're like... Yeah, you've been around a while too. That's true. That's true. With this, so far as like the the way we're discussing them as uh, people you lead, this is a type of developer who has a lot more experience than you. And there's several types here within this, kind of several types of veterans and several reasons why you are leading someone with more experience than you. The first one is they're just waiting for retirement. They just got a job to... It's good paying. They don't have to worry about any leadership stuff and they're just coasting. Or if they work for like a government entity or a very large company and they've been there for a while, they may just be riding out till they can get their pension. Yeah. And by riding out, it doesn't mean not working. A lot of times it means you're maintaining older systems that Mm -hmm. are kind of fairly stable. And so it's, it's not frenetic all the time. Yeah. When I say writing out, I mean, they're not looking to get promoted. They're not looking to lead a team. They're not looking to move up. They're happy where they are to complete their career at that level. Those are some of the more easy ones to work with because a lot of times they're still interested in coding. That's why they're still doing it. 
uh, at this point in their career. And it's their different priorities is really yeah. what it comes down to. I mm-hmm. mean, honestly, it's sort of like a nine to five developer yeah. in, in a lot of respects. It's just they're way better. Mm-hmm. And they may have been overly enthusiastic when they were younger. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, hey, like I've got other stuff. I got grandkids or whatever. I'm not working until two in the morning. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they've probably had the experience also that that doesn't help them, which is yeah. part of how you get grizzled. Another thing about them is they tend to know more than you do. Uh, that's as, actually, so that's a different type of yeah. veteran. There's a, the knows more than you type of veteran versus the waiting for retirement type of veteran. Okay. Can you clarify? So with this type, this is the one who their key characteristic is they know it all. They've ah. got the experience and they know more than you. And they're going to let you know that they know more than you to the point that it might be distracting in teams and it can be like source of friction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just throw the hardest stories at those people till they crack. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like that's what you do with anybody that thinks they know too much. Yeah. Just no. Then there's the never promoted. These are the ones who very likely because of their personality Occasionally, it will be because they chose not to go into a leadership or anything like that, like lead a team. But most times, it is because of their personality that they just sort of they made it to senior developer and never passed. Well, you know, and you know, a lot of them they like the isolation, you know, mm-hmm. so they're not motivated to get promoted either. Uh, which is the next one, you know, they chose not to be in leadership. I've got friends that have been put in managerial positions and they do it for a little while. And then they swear they're never going to do it again. Mm -hmm. And I completely understand that. Yep. We had a meeting recently because they're kind of changing up some stuff because for a lot of, a lot of places, the only way to move up was to move into management. We've had those discussions as well. So to keep good people, they were creating management roles like that didn't have any direct reports just so they could yeah. be a manager and get the pay increase. And it was like, this is bad business. And so we're making some changes so that there's actually a path, a tech path and a management path, up, yeah. which I think is a really brilliant idea. My role is a little bit of a blend. So I'm curious, but it was really funny because our director used me as an example when he was telling us about like, cause this is way high up coming down, but uh, he was telling, telling our team about it and, Use me as the example. And he's like, let's say, for example, that BJ wants to go into management. He goes into management and he decides he hates it. So he wants to come back. There's going to be a way, a bridge back and forth between that. Of course, he he says that and he's like, and, and he decides it hates it. And um, like all the other lead developers are like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely, it's jarring because it's not the same criteria and the same stuff. No, it's very, um, very different. Yeah. yeah. And and we've kind of had similar discussions where I am for yeah. the for the very same reasons. The other thing about grizzled veterans that I see frequently and maybe exhibit a bit is they do not respect authority a lot of times because they've seen authority misused or they're like, okay, fire me. You'll have to hire two people to replace me. Yeah. If you can find them. Right. So with them, you'll want to use more influence than authority. So we had the episode, the April 1st episode about leading with influence. 
another thing you can do for them is to get them involved in mentoring and leading other people. So not necessarily at a managerial level, but at the level of, hey, here's how you make your code better. Here's how you improve your PRs. You know, here's learning some older tech, you know, whatever. That one, for one thing, it'll also help you figure out whether they are suitable for management or not, or, you know, why they're not potentially if, if they haven't ever been. Yeah. Another thing you can do is to ask for their advice when you're making decisions. Uh, and you way, should be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the people that know stuff that you don't, and they may have a different take on it or just a different approach just because we concentrate on the things that work really well right now, but the stuff that worked well in the nineties still works in a lot of cases and it may be a better option. Now, you should also be ready to explain the decisions you make and why you made them because you will see this with veteran developers sometimes. They don't like the way you did it because that's not the way they've done it uh, yeah. all this time. And so like if you're introducing something like dependency injection, you kind of have to show them why you're doing that. So next is the, well, actually, as I push my glasses up my nose. Yeah. This one thinks they know everything whether or not they have the experience to back that up. Yeah. And I'll tell you personally, this is my least favorite type to work with. And I, if I'm ever in a hiring position, I try to filter these people out. Like if it's a choice between somebody that failed a background screening and a well, actually, I will get the former drug addict every time. Or the current drug addict, honestly. I really can't stand working with these kind of people. <laughs> like, you know a little bit about everything or you've got a perspective and you've read. Uh, but this is more like they undermine authority and the guise of being helpful. And it's more about how much of a good and smart boy I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, it's an attention seeking thing. It's, yeah. Hey, look at me, look at how great I am. And honestly, dude, you and I have both been guilty of doing this on occasion. Yeah. And it's a tendency. I think everybody has at some level, but it's something that you do not want as a major part of your career personality because it will destroy your team. It does. Yes. The well actually person personality, I should say, does not respect their leader's position or their leader's intellect. They may not realize they don't respect them. They may think they do and they may right. think they're being helpful, but deep down, they they really don't. I had a senior dev actually kind of pull me aside at my first job out of college and go, hey, I understand you're trying to help, but this doesn't help. Like you don't have to offer a solution every time. Yeah. You know, that something comes up, just chill out. You're a junior. You're very green. Calm down. Yeah. You're, you'd be surprised how often not offering a solution is the best thing to do until they come and ask you. And then you're like, you solve the problem in like two minutes. And well, and it makes you look, I mean, <sighs> Part of the deal is you, know, you obviously have time to think about the problem a little bit more before they come to you if you do that. Mm -hmm. The other thing is they're already exasperated with the problem by the time they come to you so that you look even better. Yeah. And a lot of times you're also not going to be stuck as the one solving it if you didn't pipe up first thing. So like there's no advantage to it. Like it's really, mm -hmm. it's bad tactics. Oh, it, it really is. It really is. And as a leader, yeah. you shouldn't be doing this either because you need to let your people try and figure things out on their own. That's the hardest thing, especially when you see somebody flailing. Like if you're on the, like if you're on a call with them and you're watching them click around with their mouse, 
when they can mm-hmm. be using keyboard shortcuts, that's the one that just wrecks me. I'm like, oh, can't stand it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, with the well actuallys, unless you are absolutely certain of what you like, you wrote the research paper on it, cert level certain, don't address their well actually. Yeah. Like, don't give them credit. Unless the unless you can just absolutely put them in their place with it, don't address it. Yeah. Never do a small hurt to an opponent. Yeah. Instead, cut it off and tell them, hey, right now is not a good time. Why don't you tell me about that later privately? And that way, they're not getting that attention-seeking. And you can kind of see, hey, is it just attention-seeking behavior? Or do they really think they're being helpful? If they really do have a good idea and they really are trying to be helpful, you want that, but you don't want it in that attention-seeking fashion. So you got to curb that that side of it. And by saying, "Hey, you and I can talk about this privately later and and you can tell me what you're what you're thinking." That gives them that outlet, especially if they really are they really do have a good idea. The next category is the overly compliant. These are people who think that the ideal employee always agrees. Honestly, that's not true because Anytime you're in a managerial position, you're going to be wrong some percentage of the time. And somebody that always agrees just rubber stamped your mistake. Yeah. The overly compliant, they don't want to think for themselves because it's easier not to. There's a policy for it. This is the way it's done. So I don't have to think about it. I just do the way it's supposed to be done. Honestly, this can hinder them a lot. You know, if there is no set standard, first of all, they can't perform. And they'll go looking for a standard that may or may not provide value for the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll go looking for like industry standards or what other people are doing. Or rather they'll than copy and paste to... code. Yeah. Yeah. As leaders, we need to help them gain confidence in their selves and their abilities. Yeah. And that's a big one because this does kind of come out of confidence. It also comes out of a bit of a fear of pushing back. Like mm-hmm. they've had some kind of bad something has happened that's made them like this, right? You're not born as an apex predator and suddenly not able to push back on things. Like something happened to you. And it may not be something you remember. It may be a whole bunch of events, but like there's something off and you need to kind of work with them on that. And part of this, to help them with this, you make them part of decision-making where they have to make choices. And the best part of that is when they make a bad choice and they realize it after the fact and they get that complete panic pucker factor. And then nothing happens. Yep. Because everybody's like, yep, we screw up too. Mm-hmm. It's fine. And getting have, somebody to that point is glorious once they get there. I have honestly wanted to tell a junior developer to do something that would purposely, and, and I have not, but that would purposely break like the dev server or something just to get them over that fear. It's like the chaos monkey thing, but for people. Yes. Yeah, it really is. All right. So the next one is the too reliant. And I put these together because they rhyme the overly compliant and the too reliant. Sorry, a little poetry in there for y'all. Yeah, he's a poet and does know it. Whatever. Anyway, these, yeah. The big thing with these people is they can't do things on their own. And they're very similar to the overly compliant except the compliant needs standards. They need like, this is the way we do it. They can go off and do things on their own as long as they know, okay, this is how it's done. These are the rules right. to follow. 
the overly or the too reliant, they just can't do things on their own. They're going to ask for help even on the simplest tasks that they've done before. And you know, the real deal here is they lack confidence in their own ability to code or perform whatever their other duties are. Mm-hmm. And as leaders, our job is to help boost their confidence by having them do work on their own. Especially stuff that slightly pushes them. Yeah. 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 I mean, the thing is, when they ask for help, you don't deny them help, but you help a little and then you leave. Right. You don't want to stick around and enable this because right? mm-hmm. you want to break that. It's it's a codependent relationship, it, is essentially what this is. It is. And you you want to help them get past like the that inertia and get them started and then go, all right, well, hey, I've got this other meeting to go to, or like I was talking to one of the other lead developers, um, honestly, about this particular type. Actually, that conversation is what led to this outline. He was saying, he's like, yeah, back when we were in the office, what he would do with the, with the junior developers he was leave, leading, would he would sit down with them. They would get a conference room or he'd go over to their desk. He'd sit down with them and they'd work for 15, 20 minutes. He'd get them started, get them past that initial, I don't know what to do and get them thinking in the, well, you know this. And they'd be like, I need to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. You keep working on it and show me how much you got when I get back. And he'd go away for 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, and then come back and check on them. And they'd just be like, he said, it took a couple of times, but they'd be going. And then slowly over time, they stopped asking for help as much. Yeah. And they ask for help on chunkier things more than anything. Yeah. And, you know, setting the expectation that you expect them to figure out the rest helps with that yeah. as well. Like, they need to know that, hey, you know, you're not going to be there the entire time. And you also kind of want to time box this stuff because if you don't, they will pepper you with questions all day long and you will get nothing done on your own stuff. So you set yeah. regular times, you know, for pairing sessions where they can actually ask you questions and you can give feedback. Mm-hmm. The next one is the too independent. And this is the type that never asks for help, even when they are completely lost. This is Will. I'm just kidding, Will. No. <laughs> no, I'll ask for help real quick when I get lost. No, um, no, this is actually kind of similar to the overly enthusiastic, but without the overwork to burnout. Like these guys, they they don't want to ask for help, even when they're they have no idea where they are, but they're not like they're gonna have good work boundaries. Still, they're not going to overwork themselves on it. They might beat their head against the wall during work hours for eight hours a day, and then yeah, they'll go which home. Burns you out eventually too. Yeah, it's a slower burn, but yeah, it's a slow cooker basically instead of a, yeah. It's Indian curry, not Thai curry. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's kind of <laughs> you burn more, but it takes a while before it gets you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, I had some Friday, and it was way too hot. Not very smart. I'll wait a couple of weeks before I do that again. They also tend to be kind of embarrassed slash self-abased. So they're afraid to ask for help because of what you might think of them for asking for help. Yeah. And a lot of times you'll see this in mid-level developers. Actually, I think this was one of the mid-level mistakes or something about yeah. like similar to this was one of them in the episode that we did on that. So yeah, this is... 
the two independent, it tends to happen. Well, there's two types, two times it tends to happen when you have someone who's too reliant as a junior developer and they start gaining that confidence and then they don't want to be overly reliant. So they swing too far the other way. Or you have someone who's a, a good junior, they know when to ask and when not to, but they get promoted or they get a little bit more responsibility. And then they're like, well, I should know this already. I don't know this. And they don't want to ask for help. But a lot of times by the time you get to senior, you're like, you know what? I don't know everything and I'm not going to pretend to know everything. So if I don't know it, I'm going to ask for help. Yeah, I, I tell my team on the regular that we're all bozos on this bus. And the sooner you learn that, the easier everything is. No. From a leadership perspective, we need to take the initiative as leaders and schedule time for help. Because uh, I have one of my developers, he's not, he's not full on too independent, but he is pretty independent and he will bang his head against the wall a little bit longer than I think he should before asking for help. So what I've done with them is I just have regular pair sessions. And yeah. And you can do those like in a way that doesn't necessarily make them feel bad. You go, Hey, I'm jumping in on this story too. Let's work on, you know, I'll work on it for an hour. Then you work on it for an hour and I'll watch and just actually like trade up like that. Yeah. And you could teach them so much and they think that they're helping you, but you're actually helping them. Mm-hmm. And so nobody's ego gets, gets bruised and they, they get the growth out of it which is kind of where you're trying to get. And, you know, you should also be encouraging them to ask questions, even little piddly stuff. Like what key combination did you use to do that? Honestly, you want to create an environment where it is safe and normal. And I hate to use the term safe space because I don't think that really applies here, but where they feel comfortable and it's, it's normal, normalized that they, they own part of. Yeah. Right. So they they have like proprietary interest in making it better. Yeah. Yeah. But basically you want to normalize asking for help. And yeah. I do this with my team by like I will purposefully take on stuff that I know is a little bit beyond me, or it's like, this is something I'm gonna to have to ask our architect for because I don't have permissions to do it, or I've not ever done it before. Benefit of being new. I've not done this before. Let me ask for help. But what I'll do is I will wait until I've got my juniors on with me and then I'll ask for help so that they see that and see, hey, you know, it's okay. Even our lead developer has to ask for help sometimes. So lead by example, lead by following too. Going back to the the leadership stuff. Next. The next, yeah. (laughs) The next category is also a lot of fun. Uh, that is the unreliable. These people are late or they don't show up at all sometimes where they're not paying attention. They drop the ball. There's a lot of different personality types in this constellation. Yeah. This is the way to put that. They tend to either be very, very good at their job or related to someone pretty high up like the owner. Yeah. They miss meetings on the regular or they're late to meetings also, which I've learned with that. You just go ahead without them. So whereas the previous types, we've talked about some of them not respecting you as their leader, this type doesn't respect you nor the job. Yeah, and they don't really respect themselves either. No. Now, the thing is, there may be something else going on in their lives. So be considerate of that. They, Especially if this is a case of someone who was reliable and has either slowly stopped 
being as reliable or has suddenly become unreliable, it is most likely some external factor that's affecting right. them. Or they just got burnt out. Yeah. Honestly. Which I would consider an external factor. Yeah. I'm just thinking if they're overly enthusiastic, this is one of the, the ways that I've seen them burn out in the past. That's true. That's true. And, you know, having other stuff going on in life, you know, you do have to address it, right? Even if it is something that's not something you want to be in the middle well, of. So you don't address what's going on in their life. You address the fact right, you address that the they're problem. being... The, yeah, you address the fact that they're being unreliable. You just need to directly address that. Yeah. And just be like... Unless hey, you're like really tight with them, I guess is probably the way I would Yeah. Be. Like sometimes, you know, it'd be like, hey, you know, I know you're going through a divorce, man. You know, like, you know, you can still be a human being, I guess mm-hmm. is kind of where I would, would go with that. But you do kind of need to figure out what is going on. Yeah. A good way to do this is by asking questions rather than making assumptions or be or telling them just ask questions ask about what's going on in their life start off kind of very general and then then narrow it down to asking hey so why have you been late to meetings lately why have you not shown up to certain meetings you know what's going on like kind of start off very general what's going on in your life and then come down to that yeah and it, that's also helpful too because sometimes you're going to find out that, oh, they didn't come to that meeting because you're a goober and you forgot to add them to the meeting invite. <laughs> you know, So like, you don't want to assume they're in the wrong when we're all bozos yeah. on this bus. Or it, it could be a Teams issue. I've had some of those. Yeah. Um, and they to. weren't like literally weren't able to say they couldn't get to the meeting because that's the only way you guys communicate is through Teams and Microsoft Office. And so, yeah, I actually ha- had that happen the other day where one of my junior developers sent us a message. Hey, our QA is out sick. She texted me because she's having issues with Microsoft Teams. So, Or I had one of my videographers at church no-show for an event. And when I messaged her to address it, and this is the thing, I just addressed, you know, addressed it directly. I was like, hey, you know, you had committed to being here. I understand if things come up, but like, if you let me know, I can find someone to cover for you. And she was like, I am so sorry. Apparently the, the way the app connects to her calendar, there was an issue and she didn't even know she was like, she's like, I looked at my calendar. I didn't have anything on it. So I went out of town to visit my family. I am so sorry. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not mad. Thanks for telling me, but yeah, that's not her fault. And she admitted it. She's like, that's my fault. Like, she's like, I'm sorry. I, you know, this is what happened. So, but yeah, sometimes it is that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you just need to consider more flexible hours. I mean, you will have the occasional coworker who just is a complete night owl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of these people are really diligent and they're like, oh, I have to be in by 730 in the morning. And you got some eight o'clock meeting. You know, maybe you need to move that meeting where, it's a little bit later in the day and they don't feel compelled to come in when they're really not effective anyway. Yeah. Like shifting the schedule helps a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, speaking of that, our final type is the overcommitted. And the interesting thing about this is these are typically the nine to five type developers, but they've got too much going on outside of work. 
So it may be too many hobbies. They may have a side gig that's interfering, a new relationship, the end of a relationship. I mean, been through that. A new child, have not been through that. That was hard. But the big way this manifests is they're not fully present at work. They're easily distracted by what's going on in life outside of work. Uh, At a previous employer, they talked about a guy that had been there before me and he was going through a really nasty divorce and the guy would just like go in the janitorial closet and cry. Yeah. During the workday, like a couple times a day for months. Mm -hmm. And that happens. They may be tired a lot and not able to focus because they're staying up too late doing other things. I mean, it could be just video games, to be honest with you guys. I've known people who... Like, I have too. Because I have a... It seems like it's a big one, honestly. Yeah. I have a, a good friend who literally will take a long weekend when new games come out so she can just... Yep. I got a friend that does that too. And that's her way of like, I know I'm going to be distracted, so why not just address it directly and go, hey, I'm just going to take the time off. That's that's her vacation time um, is to play video games. And she loves it. She's super introverted and that makes her happy. So... Another thing they may do is they may bring up things going on in their personal life too often to the point that it's distracting others as well. And leadership in these cases, you know, they need to help them stay focused on work during work hours or you got to let them go, right? Mm -hmm. They'll sink your whole team if if you don't. Most important is to not get sucked into a conversation about their non-work life, at least on the clock. You know, yeah. Maybe, hey, you're good friends and you have a conversation, but like that's a separate thing. It's very clear when you've both stepped over that boundary mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen on the clock. And it's on you as the leader to enforce that right. boundary gently. Because they're already not enforcing one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of have to help them develop those boundaries. You want to gently but firmly redirect them back to work topics. And watch for them taking too many breaks or spending too much downtime. I know you have told the story about a coworker who was bragging about walking six miles. Yeah, at two o'clock in the afternoon when he came in at like nine thirty in the morning. Uh-huh. And he walked slow. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like I think I could probably walk six miles in the middle of the day and get away with it because I I flat out haul, but not this dude. And, and there was definitely some stuff going on, man. And, yeah. you know, he would also take a lot of breaks, just like, oh, I'm going to go stretch my legs. I'm going to go talk to other people. Like, you do have to kind of pay attention to that sort of stuff. A lot of times mm-hmm. it, can, it can indicate, you know, other issues. And when it's necessary, you have to directly address the behavior or, or directly address the behavior, not address it. You're not making a pointer to it. <laughs> I guess it's more of a handle because it's a pointer to a pointer, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just leave that in. It's fine. uh, Yeah, that's good. That's good. Now, what they do off the clock is their business. Like, you really don't have control over it. And if your company thinks you do, because there are some companies even here where we live, I'm not going to name them, but yeah, who think they can control what you do off the clock and... Yeah, like um, how you conduct yourself, whether you have facial hair, all kinds of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, we can't control what our employees do when they're not on the clock and stuff like that. But how that affects their work is company business. If it affects their work. I mean, I've seen people that like they could just be in the most miserable situation and they're more productive. 
And you're like, I, you know, as a, as a fellow human being, I don't want them to be miserable, but like, can I address that as a manager? Because they're ticked off and they're just crushing it Yeah. right now. Now, when they burn out, as they inevitably do, I can say something. But, you know, before that, it's, it's hard to get in there. So, yeah. So, guys, this is definitely not a comprehensive list of all the people that you'll lead when you become a leader. These are also some very extreme examples of the types. Rarely will you lead someone who has all the characteristics of a type. Instead, it will be a more subtle presentation. As a leader, you can use this information to determine the best way to lead the individuals on your team. As you work your way toward leadership, if you're not there yet, don't be one of these people. And watch out for how your coworkers act around leadership. You may be able to help your leaders so long as you avoid the, uh, well, actually type. So guys, that pretty much wraps us up. Check out the Aftercast. We're going to discuss several situations that um, are difficult to lead through. Some transitions that might happen in your company or on your team that are difficult to lead through. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash completedeveloperpodcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at Complete Dev Pod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.